Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different grape varieties, the different styles of wine, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we're going to focus on the wines of Austria, a country in Central Europe whose culture and language is shared with Germany, but there are many differences between the two countries, which is reflected in the wines that are produced in Austria. The climate in Austria is cool continental, but it is warmer than Germany, and it's also a bit more extreme. The winters are extremely harsh in Austria, and late spring frosts can be an issue in the country. But the summers are very hot, and quite dry as well, with just 500 millimeters of rainfall throughout the year. And so there's a lot of uh, diurnal variation in Austria, so very warm days and cool nights, as well as the seasonal variation. And this produces fuller-bodied wines, but still with high acidity. The vineyards in Austria are all located in the east of the country, bordering Czech Republic to the north, Slovakia and Hungary to the east, and Slovenia to the south. And they're in the east of the country because the rest of the country is alpine, and is far too cold and mountainous for the production of wine. The water effect is important in Austria, and this happens in two different ways. One is the river Donau, or Danube in English, which flows through the northern part of the country, and many of the greatest vineyards in Austria are located on the banks of the Danube, just producing that great exposure which produces those wines with great concentration. And we'll look at those different regions in a moment. And then there's also the lake, Neusiedlersee, which um, is important for two reasons. It produces a warming effect again to help get the black grapes fully ripe, but also produces humid conditions in the autumn for a noble rot. And so Austria produces a lot of great but good value sweet wine. So before we look at the regions, let's go through the different grape varieties grown in Austria. And by far the most important is Gruner Veltliner. And there are 1,600 hectares of Gruner Veltliner planted in Austria, 50% of them in Nieder-Osterreich, which we'll look at in a moment. Gruner Veltliner is a late ripening grape. It has high acidity, and it also has um, a full body as well though it is made in a range of styles depending when the grape is picked. So it can be used for sect, which is the sparkling wine, and those grapes will be picked very early. It can be used for simple wine for local consumption, and then there's medium-bodied and then full-bodied wines, which are really some of the greatest wines of Austria. And then Grüneveltliner in that style, it's dry, it's full-bodied, and it's peppery. White pepper is a really distinctive feature of Grüneveltliner, going with the high acidity. Grüneveltliner can be confused with Chardonnay by some people, even though oak is very rarely used, and that's because when Grüneveltliner ages, it develops this really rich creaminess, which can be mistaken for the oakiness of Chardonnay. It's also not that dissimilar to Riesling, with that high acidity and spicy aromas, but it doesn't really have those lime aromas that you associate with Riesling. Riesling is planted in Austria, 1,600 of hectares of plantings, so a lot less than Gruner Veltliner, about 10% less. Uh, but the Riesling can be extremely high quality, especially when it's planted on the most suitable sites, which are the terraces on the steep slopes rising up from the banks of the uh, river Danube. Different style from Germany, it's always dry, it's much fuller bodied as well, with higher alcohol. Um, very concentrated styles of Riesling. And the two best regions for Riesling are Wachau and Kremstal, which we'll look at soon. And then there's another important grape, Welsh Riesling, with 4,300 hectares of plantings. And this has no relation to Riesling, and Germans have campaigned to have the grape variety changed. 
Uh, Welsh means foreign, so it's like a foreign Riesling. And it has no connection in style to Riesling either. It's quite neutral. It does have high acidity. and But it is best for sweet wine because it takes noble rots very well. And so a lot of sweet wine around Neusiedlerzee is made from Welsh Riesling. And then there's a handful of other grapes. Uh, Chardonnay is called Morillon and Fine Burgunder also. And that's made in a range of, of styles, um, from dry, um, no oak, or with oak, but also in sweet styles as well, which is something you would never find in France. And then there's two really obscure grapes, which are historically important, Zierfandler and Rotgipfler. And these grapes are used for the production of Gumpoldskirchen, an historically important uh, style of wine, but one that's not made very much anymore. And then the black grapes, as Weigelt is the most planted, and it's very popular because it has high yields, and it's also ripe and fruity, but it's got a nice tannic structure to it, so it's not too—it's not just juicy. There's a nice uh, dry structure to it, but it is usually drunk young. Zweigelt is a crossing made by a, a man called Zweigelt in 1922, and it's a crossing of Blaufrankisch and Sankt Laurent, which in terms of quality are the two most important grapes in um, Austria. Blaufrankisch also called Lemberger in Germany, and also Washington State, and Keckfrankos in Hungary. And it's called Blaufrankisch, because Frankish means French, and the Austrians would associate any quality grape with France, and so they're literally calling this a blue or a black French grape, because it's high quality. And it can taste a bit like Syrah, or a bit like Cru Beaujolais, like a really high quality one. And it's got that nice colour and fruitiness to it. And it likes the warm shores of Neusiedlerzee, so that lake effect again. And then Sankt Laurent has a deeper colour than Blaufrankisch, and there's also earlier budding and ripening, and it's like a fuller-bodied Pinot Noir. The grape variety actually originates from Alsace, so it's kind of ironic that the grape that doesn't originate from France they call Frankish, and the grape that does, they don't. But that's uh, the historical naming of grapes for you. So just before we look at the regions, let's just look at the regulations in Austria. Quality in Austria is uniformly high, and that's because in the 1980s there was a huge scandal when additives were found in the wines to give more body and sweetness, and there's only a very small number of producers doing this, but it caused a huge uproar and a complete upheaval in the regulations in Austria. And so the term DAC was introduced when this for some reason stands for Latin Districtus Austria Controllatus. I'm not sure why they couldn't have used German. And this is modelled on the French appellation system, so it's all about the origin. So quite different from the uh, Germany, where it's all about the ripeness of the grapes. However, those German terms do exist in Austria, so the overall term Kalitätswein, referring to quality wine, is a lot stricter in Austria than it is in Germany, so it's more meaningful. And Cabinet, that lighter, elegant style, are part of the Kalitätswein category, not part of the Prädikatswein. The uh, Prädikatswein is similar to Germany, but it does include a couple of other styles. So you have Spätlaser, Auschlaser, Bärenauschlaser, and then you have Ausbruch and Strohwein, so sweeter and from riper grapes than Bärenauschlaser. And so Ausbruch comes from Rust, which is on the banks of the Neusiedlerzee lake, and the grapes are shriveled, overripe, and with noble rot as well. Sometimes aged in oak, and often made from Welsh Riesling or Chardonnay. And these wines can be quite expensive and extremely high quality. And then strohwein literally means straw wine, and these are overripe grapes which are laid out on straw mats to really concentrate the sugars and get lots of uh, sweetness. And then after that you have Trockenbeerenauschlaser and Eiswein. One other rule in Austria is that the, the bottle top should always have a red and white stripe, and that's really recognisable in a shop when you see that.
So let's look at the different regions. The largest and most important is Nieder-Osterreich, which has 60% of production, which literally means Lower Austria, and it's in the northeast of the country. And there are many regions within Nieder-Osterreich. The largest is Weinviertel, which has 16,000 hectares of plantings, and this largely produces fruity, spicy, dry Grüneveltliner. It's flat and fertile here, so the wines don't really get the same concentration and intensity as some of the other regions in the area, especially Wachau, Kamptal and Kremstal. Uh, Wachau is here is the most important in terms of quality, though it's actually the smallest, with 1,400 hectares of plantings. And it can get so dry here that irrigation isn't necessary. Uh, Riesling and Grüneveltliner are the two major grapes here, planted on the steep terraces above the river Danube, with really stony soils as well. And so you have the river effect of the river warming the grapes and just keeping that ripening going. The stone will do, the loose soils will do the same. There's also lots of diurnal variations, so very warm days getting the grapes ripe, but cool nights um, keeping the acidity high. And Wachau has its own terms, Steinfelder, Federspiel and Smaragat. And these refer to the ripeness of the grapes when they're picked. Steinfelder is a light, fragrant wine, often semi-sparkling, and it cannot be more than 11% alcohol, so very light-bodied. Federspiel, the grapes are a bit riper, so the alcohol is higher, 11 to 12.5%, high acidity, elegant and dry. And Schmaragat has is the ripest grape, so the alcohol is always 12.5% or more. It cannot be lower than that. And these are the highest uh, prized and most expensive wines in uh, Wachau and arguably in Austria, and they can certainly age for many, many years. And Schmaragat refers to the green lizard, which is found on the slopes of Wachau. And then... Um, Near Wachau is Kremstal, with 2,200 hectares of plantings, clay and limestone soils here for a denser style of Grüneveltliner, and then as it gets towards Wachau, very similar soils and similar style to Wachau. Kamptal a bit larger, with 3,900 hectares, with concentrated Grüneveltliner, and then very good Rieslings from the rocky slopes. And one vineyard here in particular may be the best in Austria for Riesling, Zürbinger Heiligenstein and um, that's worth looking out for if you see it on a label. Other regions in the area, Donauland, 2,900 hectares, and this um, the grapes here are planted on a ridge overlooking the plain, and Icevine works very well here, thinking of those very cold winters and harsh winters. Then there's the unusually named Conuntum, which has 900 hectares of plantings, and this is named after a Roman fortress which used to be there, and um, this, this produces fresh wines, but with more body as well, because it's a little bit warmer and further south. And then also in this region, this is where Gumpoldskirchen is made, in the Thurman region is the name. And Gumpoldskirchen, this is a warmer area, historic, now very small, but it does produce ripe, rich, spicy wines, which can age, but it's very hard to find those wines now. And then we have Wien, which is the capital city of Austria, Vienna in English, with just 680 acres of plantings. Very strict laws to protect those vines. Very unusual to see grape vines being grown in a capital city. And this produces largely simple Grüneveltliner for local consumption, though there is some higher quality Grüner and Riesling from the slopes and the edges of the city. And then to the south of Vienna is Neuseelersee, the second largest region in Austria. And Neuseelersee is a very large lake, and that lake effect is very important. Rust is found on the banks of the river to produce Ausbruck for those wines from Noble Rot. And the best red wines are on the south-facing slopes above the plain, but also you'll find uh, red wine 
between the lake and the border going towards Hungary, where that lake effect is very important. And Trockenbeeren Auschleser will also be found between the lake and the Hungarian border, again because of the humidity coming from the lake. Within Neusiedlersee is Bergenland, and 30% of um, Austria's production is within Bergenland. And the most important part of Bergenland is Mittelbergenland, which is 80% of black grapes. And Blaufrankisch is extremely important here, and it's very flat, sheltered by the hills. Going further south to Steiermark, and Steiermark is Styria in English, and this accounts for 7% of all plantings in Austria. And the most important part of Steiermark is Südsteiermark. And this produces dry, fragrant white wines. The majority of these wines are for Hurrigan, and Hurrigan are taverns found in Austria where um, local wine is sold and it's usually very young so it's almost like a nouveau style so simple but fun wines for just uh, for easy everyday drinking nearly 2,000 hectares of plantings in Sturzsteiermark and they're on steep south facing slopes which are very sheltered and it's for white wine Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay really crisp fresh styles of wine and Welsh Riesling and Gelber Muscatella Gelber Muscatella being Muscat Petit Grand Blanc in France so crisp but also very aromatic in contrast and then there's one other part of Steiermark uh, West Steiermark which um, mainly produces rosé from an obscure grape called Blauer Wildbacher and that, that, those rosés will only be found in the country so that is Austria. A lot of variety, fantastic white wines, and surprisingly good red wines, which are often overlooked. So Grüner Veltliner, some, some of the most fashionable wines in the world right now, and you'll find plantings of that grape around the world, um, increasingly so. And high-quality Riesling, but in small amounts. And then some lovely Blaufrankisch and Saint Laurent. And all different styles as well, dry all the way to sweet. So that's Austria. Thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. <laughs>